0: Every youngster here on the Michigan team the strength of the day that he someday would play on a championship team and come to the Rose Bowl and play in the granddaddy of them all. Well Craig, we're four games in and one of the things that's been really obvious so far is there's really a tale of two halves. First, why do you think that is? Why do you think Michigan comes out so slow and ineffective uh, but finds a way to, to fire on all cylinders now in multiple games after some halftime adjustments?
1: Uh, I don't really know. I can't really explain why they come out so flat. I feel like that's kind of been a trend the last few years, really. They've come out somewhat flat. Um, the second half, obviously, they go in and they make adjustments, and that's just uh, a testament of their great coaching staff going in
0: and, and getting what needs to be done done. Uh, Jim Harbaugh referred to this team as a, a team that can win in the late rounds. Uh, he said that's a great thing to learn about the, these guys, especially being young guys. Uh, things get tough, and they face a little bit of adversity, uh, and they start they start going after it, and they find a way to embrace kind of the toughness of the other opponent. And then, obviously, some schematic changes are going to help. I think of a guy like Don Brown. He's proven in the second half to have that defense just. I mean, unbelievable. They held Purdue to just 10 yards in the second half, a Purdue team that's had a lot of offense in its first games. As a total, their offense went 0 for 12 on third down, which is just horrendous, Uh, giving up five sacks, three to a guy like Chase Winovich, who's really been playing well. And so now Michigan has outscored its four opponents 80 to 14 in the second half. So as much as we talk about there's some problems with the offense, they're still scoring a lot of points in the second half, whether by defensive touchdowns or that special teams touchdown we saw earlier in the season. So,
1: I mean, do, you think, do you think part of that is just a young team and the coaching staff maybe not opening things up even in the slightest in the first half and just kind of letting the guys get out there and, and get acclimated with, maybe for some of them, even just the speed of college football?
0: Yeah, I think so, and we'll talk a little bit about what John O'Corn brought to the field in place of uh, Wilton Spate when he went down and injured and some of the differences I noticed there. But I do think because of a young team, you need guys to get acquainted uh, early throughout the game. And so, yes, maybe keeping it simple helps, uh, but it seems like the team— Grows as the game goes on, which you got to hope kind of translate into this team continues to grow as the season goes on. Because at some point, it can't be a tale of two halves. No. At some point, you run into a team on the road like Purdue, who even though struggled against Iowa, comes out and, and can throw everything at you offensively. So the tale of two halves won't continue to work. But I do sense that some of these younger guys need to see, okay, brand new team, brand new offense we're facing. Uh, what can we do different defensively, or hey, this isn't working on offense, I can't get open, uh, come out in the second half with some changes in the schemes and some different routes and it seems to work. So I do wonder how long it will take to change that kind of tail two halves, but I do agree that there's obviously some youth involved, and I think the game gets more complex as it goes on. But with that, I think that the young Wolverines are, are finding a way to gain an advantage as they've proved now four games in a row. Yeah,
1: and I just asked that because you think about last year and just off the top of my head I think about the train formation, the famous train formation that Jim Harbaugh came out with and everybody was kind of blown away with it. But you're able to do kind of crazy things like that or even the wildcat offense with Jabril Peppers. You're able to do things like that when you've got an experienced group, uh, an experienced line, experienced wide receivers Uh, you're able to do those kind of things, whereas with with new guys, maybe you're
0: not able to open that up quite yet. So I think moving forward now, you've got a a night game just announced uh, against Michigan State, first time in 110 years. That's a true night game. Obviously, there's been some that I can remember from my lifetime where Ray Elmetters was catching everything thrown his way, and that was under the lights. But I mean, you have to come out with even more each week as as things come around in the season. And so I expect the offense to open up significantly. Whether or not that will be in the first half, I'm not sure. Uh, But this is improvement week for for Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has has spoken upon that multiple times already. And and I, I expect them to improve in a couple of issues. So if you look at the Purdue game, obviously Wilton Spate going down is going to... affect the offense Jim Harbaugh said if this week was a game he would not be cleared to play so his status is unknown obviously John O'Corn came in and provided a spark what's something you need to work on offensively in that first half in order to to get the ball rolling faster as we start to play uh, better teams
1: I think they just need to get that run game going Uh, I know you and I talked about the Purdue game and just how the run game didn't really seem to be there in the first half and if you've got a guy like John O'Corn who has experience but not any experience playing for Jim Harbaugh, really, with the exception of the Indiana game and maybe some uh, fourth quarter time throughout his his time at Michigan, you've got a guy like that, the best way to help him out is to get a good run game going um, so the defense can't just key in on him and, and shut him down. So, yeah, definitely
0: get the run game going. So on Michigan's first scoring drive, uh, and John O'Korn is in at this point, had had more passes than than runs and, and then some of those runs just I mean they little to nothing. A Couple of losses, you had a couple of one yarders, two yarders, Higden had a six yarder, Isaac had a six yarder, and then Chris Evans got a carry. So he saw three backs that scoring drive, but it was the damage done from John O'Corn through the air and then obviously the Zach Gentry, the touchdown pass to to kick off the scoring that did it. So establishing the run game is important. We talked before the show about of Chris Evans, and even though it wasn't a breakout game by any means, uh, he did put up some pretty impressive numbers. Obviously, the the score to go ahead and then the score to put it away are important. Who do you think it is now when you look at that running back position? You've got Ty Isaac, who looked banged up and a little bit slow, but had two good games. Higdon, who runs hard but didn't seem to get anything going. And then uh, Chris Evans, who who had a big second half.
1: Well, and don't forget Kareem Walker's big appearance at the end with his seven <laughs> yards on three carries. Uh, throw his hat in the name. I know that before the season I said, without a doubt, he'll be the leading rusher. So I think it's the Kareem Walker show from now on. But, no, uh, I I don't know who it is. And and quite frankly, I'm okay not knowing who it is because if we've got somebody that can go for 100 yards or almost 100 yards every week, which we've done this year, uh I think we're gonna be alright and if we can have another guy or two that can step up and and have a a decently good game at the same time we'll be alright it was good I will say it was good to see Chris Evans show some spark there in the second half I know uh, for me for me watching the game it was like man Chris Evans is back finally Um, this is the guy we thought was gonna show up at the beginning of the year Maybe he got his playing time because of some circumstances on the team or in that game, but you know what? It's all about what you do with those opportunities, and I'd say he definitely took advantage of it and made the
0: most of it. So now turning to the quarterbacks again, we don't know what the situation will necessarily be uh, moving forward as the season plays on. John O'Corn, 18 for 26, 270 yards, touchdown and an interception. That was a deflection off of Grant Perry. Spade didn't get much time in the game. Obviously, two for four, 10 yards. No matter who the quarterback is, Craig, it could be Brandon Peters, who obviously one for one with four yards. I mean, 100%. Put him in the conversation again, 100%. Why not? I mean, he he obviously balled out there at the end. Great handoffs, good form handing off to your favorite, Kareem Walker. Looked good. As a total, 21 for 31, 284 yards, 9.2 average on on the receptions. Is that a stat line that works against the better teams? If you have that 100-yard rusher and a couple of guys that have maybe 20 or 30, and you throw for just under 300 yards and a touchdown, is that going to win enough ballgames this year?
1: I think it can work, especially with Michigan's defense. Uh, You look at the first half and how... I don't even know if I want to say one-sided because it's not like they were stomping on Purdue when the run game wasn't working, but... Uh, If you think about a game uh, maybe against Penn State or Ohio State or even Michigan State, and if Michigan can't come out and both aspects of their offense get going, um, they could be in a little bit of trouble, yeah. I think it's all just about guys picking up the slack when other guys are not contributing how they should be. So if your run game isn't there, who in the receiving
0: core is going to step up and make big plays in your opinion when you watch the game as a fan and you can just speak solely for yourself here if you'd like to what's more exciting to you is, is it a 49 yard touchdown that chris evans has a big rushing touchdown or a ty isaac 70 yard play uh, even if they don't score or is it a big pass play that either goes for six or or keeps the drive alive
1: i mean i've said numerous times on this podcast that i'm an old school guy i like running between the tackles i like just pounding um so for me a big pass play early in the season to Tariq Black yes it's exciting but I feel like in football nowadays I see that a lot whereas a guy like maybe Ty Isaac just pounding over a guy or around a guy or Kron Higdon running through the tackles and busting a big run or Chris Evans busting a big run I think that's more exciting for me
0: so you get you a first down uh, and you're in a first drive, second drive, third possession type situation. Are you still run first or do you think pass first on one of those first downs is helping the Wolverines? Because John O'Corn did come out there and throw, I think he threw three plays in a row. Uh, a first down pass is not something we have seen very much of this season. Are you a fan of that even though you're more of an old school guy? Or do you, would you rather see a safe carry on the ground? No, I'm fine
1: with that because of how involved Michigan's tight ends have been this year. Um, It's not just two guys on the outside running deep routes or running crossing routes. You've got those underneath routes to a guy like Zach Gentry or um, one of the other tight ends that you're usually open, and they're talented guys that I trust throwing them the ball um, and letting them run with it a little bit.
0: Here's the the end of the second quarter. Um, this is a drive that I found really interesting. Um, you have you have John O'Corn come out. Sorry, I mean start of the third quarter, I read that wrong. You have John O'Corn come out and he completes a 15-yard pass for a first down. He misses on the next target, he's sacked on the next play. Uh, there's a penalty for defense, a holding that bails Michigan out, keeps the drive alive. He gets tackled at the line of scrimmage. He completes another pass and then incomplete to Grant Perry and then, and then Michigan Punt. So nothing comes of it, but they didn't run the ball one time in this EU count uh, or scramble. They got right back to the line of scrimmage. That is really surprising when I saw that because they came out of the second half. They need to make an adjustment. They're down 10 to 7. We talked about the tail of two halves. I did not expect it to be an all-passing drive. Do you think we'll see that moving forward from either quarterback? Because for a while it worked. Uh, they got bailed out and they had a couple of big plays. They just couldn't finish because of a sack and a drop. Do you think we'll see that this season? Is it John O'Korn is the reason we saw that? Or do you think that that's just Jim Harbaugh saying, hey, it's not working on the ground. We are not afraid to sling the ball around.
1: I think it's just a bit of game flow type deal. I think historically... Um, Michigan under Jim Harbaugh has been a pretty balanced team and so I don't see that trend really continuing season long to where they're a a much heavier pass team than a run team but I think that they looked at the two teams and said we've got playmakers on the outside we've got playmakers with our tight ends Um, obviously John O'Corn, he's got the scramble ability he can run around and he's he looked pretty accurate throwing on the run and so I think they just looked at that and said, hey, this is where we want to attack them. I think we should be up bigger in this game than um, where we're at, actually down at that point. But I think that's that's really what led to that, is they just looked at the two teams and said, this is where we're, we're going
0: to attack this drive. And do you like what you saw from from John Corn overall? Obviously, we don't wish any any harm or injury to Wilton Spate, But from what you saw and kind of following up now a couple of days later, do you like what you see from John O'Corn and do you think it's a different enough element to to have him stay the starter?
1: I mean, I think first and foremost, I think John O'Corn came in off the bench and gave the Michigan offense energy that they haven't had in quite a while. Uh, whether it was completing just a, a regular old pass, or I think of that, that play where he was sacked eight yards in the backfield and slipped out of two tackles, and and threw it deep down the middle. I forget who he completed it to, but I think he gave an energy that Michigan's been lacking. Um, I think, obviously, was able to put it in the end zone when they were in the red zone, so that's good. But I will say let's pump the brakes a little bit because if you remember, a few years ago, a certain uh, Wilton Spate came in against Minnesota, led the comeback drive. Uh, A lot of people were, were really hype on him, and... Even last year at the beginning of the year, a lot of people were really high on Wilton Spate and how quickly things can turn. Um, it's a tough job being Michigan's starting quarterback. Always has been, always probably will be. A lot of scrutiny, but I think what John O'Korn brought and maybe continues to bring is is a positive thing. I'll be interested to see um, if he's the starter for the Michigan State game, how things go, because I think, I think starting a game... Puts a whole lot more pressure on a guy than just coming in and slinging the ball around. Um, While Purdue has improved, it's still Purdue. Um, They're on their way up, but they're still not at the top. And that's a defense that you should be able to throw on. And so we'll see if he can do that against Sparty here in a couple weeks. But I liked what I
0: saw overall, yes. What I liked is John O'Corn came out and they let him throw in the second half. He completed more passes than, than Wilton Speight had in the three previous games uh, and his attempts were right up there as well. So he was he was efficient. 69% was was the final number. His QBR was 84.9. What I did notice is the play seemed to be clicking a little bit better. Uh, he was more efficient at the quarterback spot than anything we've seen from Wilton Spade so far this season. And I believe that allowed a guy like Chris Evans Uh, to have kind of the sea open up a little bit with some of the blocking schemes because you have to worry about John O'Corn throwing uh, because he was connecting. You have to worry about him a little bit with scrambling. He's not a dual threat quarterback by any means, but once you slip uh, one or two tackles like you said in the backfield near your end zone and get out of incomplete pass, that's an element that Wilton Spate usually doesn't bring. And then just the fact that uh, he, he... is a gamer. He's in there to lead, and he's been super patient. I like his post-game comments about he'll be ready when his number's called, if his number's called, and nothing's for certain. But I feel like even though we don't know who will be the quarterback in the future, I think that John O'Corn brings a lot. He showed uh, his ability, and I think that just his attitude is a positive attitude to have. Surrounding the Michigan program.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to add too. Is maybe one of the biggest things is just the guy that John O'Corn seems to be. Um, he always seems to be that that leader on and off the field um, in whatever role he's in. And I think anytime your team is following a guy like that, you're set up for success
0: right away. Absolutely. Well, that's all we have for the the episode this week of Divine Intervention. We'll. Check in with you uh, again during Improvement Week. Again, Michigan no game this weekend. going to be a kind of a sad college football weekend when you don't get to watch the Wolverines. But that happens, and from here on out, we'll see a lot of jam-packed football, including that night game against Michigan State. So uh, until the next time, go blue.